Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the PGA DraftCast brought to you by WindDailySports.com. Just a quick reminder that WindDaily Sports doesn't just cover golf. They cover the NFL, the NHL, MLB, NBA, soccer, MMA, NASCAR, you name the sport. WindDaily Sports has projection models, optimizers, articles, and our famous Discord chat to cover it all. Now, if you click the promo link below and you type in Win Big or Green, you will get one week free of WindDaily. And then after that, it is just $5.99 per week for all of that, including some of our betting content. Now, let's get to the PGA DraftCast, where we have proven track records with Joel, Spencer, David, and myself. Let's have some fun. Get in the chat. Make sure you subscribe to the page, and make sure you hit the like button. Let's do this snake draft. Let's do the PGA DraftCast. Let's do it right now. PGA Nation! We are back and we are back with a jv tournament i don't even know where it is this week do we know if who's playing this week Any, it's the masters okay this is it this is the week the super bowl of golf i couldn't be more excited for this week and of course of course we had to bring in the bing guns to draft with us greg ducharm thanks for joining us tonight how you doing I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here. Uh, it, it doesn't feel like you brought in the big guns. I feel like I'm going up to the high rollers table here. So I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm fired up to be here, and you couldn't have picked a better week for it. Uh, I am honored that you chose me uh, for the Masters. Well, we are certainly honored you chose to draft with us tonight. And as we, I was starting to say, this is the week, right? You're not going to hear Sia complaining about contest selection this week, right? You can... Any contest you want is going to be available. Um, what The biggest thing is you even get to pick live guys, right? So when we were maybe complaining about these fields being a little watered down or missing guys, everyone's in. All the big names, anyone you might want to play will be accessible at what is the pinnacle of golf this week. I am super excited. The one thing to keep in mind is let's keep an eye on the weather. It looks like there is going to be at least one very cold potentially rainier, windy day, oh, we're going to need to survive, right? So we're going to need to survive that day, uh, get our guys through the cut, and then, you know, at, at the at this magical place, anything can happen on Saturday and Sunday. See, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing really well. I mean, you kind of set it out. Like, there's so many layers to this particular Masters because it's the Masters, so, like, that's a layer unto itself. And then, of course, Tiger Woods is playing. And then, of course, live players are back. And, you know, a lot of them – you know, I, I'm really interested to see if any of them get drafted and which ones get drafted in this draft cast. Because I do think, for me, there's like three or four live players that I'm legitimately interested in from a DFS standpoint. We'll see if if me and the audience end up taking any of those guys or even nominating any of them. But I think that layer is just so intriguing. So I'm really excited to get started. I love it. I love it. How about you, Spence? How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. The one thing that everybody missed is before we went on, Joel, you and I were playing Let's Make a Deal to try to figure out the draft order here. So I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. It's a major championship event, and uh, there's a lot on the line. So we have to make sure we do this right. We'll see how it plays out. I have a feeling Spence hustled me into getting the first pick, and he's going to take the guy I wanted even getting that pick. But we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. I'm excited to draft tonight. Before we dive in, right, I, I think there's a lot of content out there. It's Masters Week, right? Everyone's putting their best foot forward. Uh, but it still doesn't take away from finding an edge in some way. And I think one way you can do so is through our course breakdown. And I know a lot of people are writing about the Masters. As we all know, 
There's no one in the industry more thorough than Spence and breaking down what to look for, what to go for in the course. So I'm excited to hear from you, Spence, on what you're looking for this week at Augusta National. I mean, I think you said it best. Like, there's a lot of content that's being put out there. I'll try to keep this as condensed as possible while still giving the tangible information that everybody needs. So I think the thing about Augusta is that it has the most pronounced course history of any venue that the players will get all year. There are these corollary specific trends that the field will have to meet if they want a real chance to take home the title. It's a venue where experience matters heavily. You see that with the statistical returns that start to indicate that knowledge of the grounds will produce better results. I think the important thing to note there is none of that necessarily eliminates anyone from a DFS player pool or other non-outright wagers. However, there are these consistent trends that have been highly impactful in trying to locate the winner. I'm not going to talk about them all on this show here, but um, you know, I think one of the big ones is a first-timer hasn't won this event since Fuzzy Zeller in 1979. It typically takes a few showings to get accustomed to the undulations of the greens. And then I also found these consistent tendencies that highlighted the need for quality short game production. You're going to hear that on every single show, but we have massive undulation and multiple tiered movement on all 18 holes on and around the putting surface. That's one of the reasons the long-term data has generated a 6.5% enhancement when looking into the dispersion of scoring for strokes gain around the green. I don't want to make it sound as if it's a death sentence for success if you struggle with that portion of your game. Although kind of the one answer I've been telling everybody is you better be really elite in other areas if you want to get around that. And then the last thing that I will mention on here, um, because I do think it's important and we have seen some changes to this course, par five scoring, very impactful. There's been weather here. There's a lot of rain. It's a softer course. I think distance might be a little bit more of an advantage here than usual, even for that reason, if you're not going to get some of the rollouts here. But um, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a nuanced property that anybody who knows anything about golf kind of knows this venue. It's the most historic course for a reason. I love it. I love it. Justin, appreciate the comment. I think if you did drink every time Spencer said undulation, we'd have a very intoxicated audience which might be good because you know then your picks are going to fall off so i'm not opposed i kind of like the game but without further ado i am excited to get this draft going i'm going to pull the draft board right up uh the order tonight is going to be spencer myself greg c and the audience are going to go last as a reminder or if you are new the way this works is a typical snake draft so like you would in your fantasy football league we're going to go one through four then four through one you do have to stay within a DraftKings salary. So you can't just take Rom, Scheffler, and all the best golfers. You do have to make sure you draft a lineup. That will work that you can actually put out there within DraftKings. Uh, and that's really the limitations. You can't double draft either, obviously. So we can't all draft. Any, anyone cannot draft these same players. With that being said, Spencer, you're on the clock. Scotty Scheffler, Joel, it's your pick. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm, I brought, I'm kidding. I, I'm kidding on that. Um, so there is a player that I am going to take at the top, but it's not going to be Scotty Scheffler here. I think this is the time that Rory McIlroy is finally going to capture the career grand slam. We talked about this being a wet course. I don't think there is any golfer, at least according to my model, that plays this type of condition course as well as he does. He is number one in my model for upside. He was number one in pretty much any iteration of how I ran it. If it doesn't happen this year, I don't know if it's going to ever happen for him. And I know we're looking at a golfer that like my model has 24, 25% right now for ownership. 
it's the Masters. There's enough ways to get unique and get un unique with the construction here. So I'm going to take Rory. I think Rory inevitably ends up winning this tournament. Greg, I want to kick it to you real quick because uh, I I've cheated a little bit. I, I listened to the today's first cut, uh, which was great as usual. By the way, the first cut's on every day. You guys got to check that out other than Wednesday. Um, but Greg, the, the one thing that you, I know who your one and done pick is, but I'm curious where you're at on Rory. So I don't want to reveal your one and done pick, but would Rory kind of been like sort of second place for you if you didn't have that golfer available? Yes, uh, absolutely. And um, look, Rory to me is the is the best course fit of anybody here. There are so many reasons. Spencer mentioned the soft golf course, uh, the wet golf course. Uh, Rory also has a, a new shorter driver in play that he looked very confident with at uh, at the match play. And I think that's going to go a long way for him. Um, you look at, uh, this is another thing I find really interesting. Uh, Rory has great success with his iron play from the fairway. Uh, and if you look at his proximity numbers, they drop off dramatically in the rough. Uh, with both long irons and short irons uh, and, and wedges. And and here at Augusta National, you don't have, I mean, the second cut is uh, less than two inches long. The 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 second cut is not really a, a penal area. It's not designed to be penal. And so I think it makes the golf course a lot wider for Rory and allows his iron play to really, um, to really shine. And his short game is absolutely underrated. Uh, he has such great touch and visualization. He's, he's a creative player. He plays a lot of different kinds of shots. Uh, he hits it high, which is something that we know you need. He draws it, which I think could be really valuable on a hole like number 13. So yeah, Rory checks every box to me. He wasn't my one and done. Just, I, I just have this worry of, you know, is the, is the baggage that comes with Rory trying to win the career grand slam in his ninth attempt. Is that just too much? Uh, and that's the one area of hesitation, which, look, there's no statistic that that can predict that how he's going to come in in this week. There is, Greg. It's hashtag strokes, strokes gain narrative. You know, that uh, as well as anybody. Yes. But listen, I have Rory as my one and done pick. So I certainly like that pick. And I'm not really a Rory guy, but I do feel like he might get it done here. Joel, Rory's gone. There were some backroom dealings before we went live, and it was basically Greg and I and the audience that were not in on the conversation for some reason. It was just Spencer and Joel. So <laughs> with, uh, with that gate out of the way, Joel, you didn't want Rory, so you wanted who? Well, I mean, as Spencer teased, it was Scotty Scheffler. And I think it goes to show that me and Spencer are just too, more cutthroat than the rest of you guys in, in drafting and that. This matters to us, and we want to win, 100%. and we want our guys, and that's how that that happened. But um, you know, let me explain. You know, how many things do I need to say about Scotty Shuffler? Right? Everyone knows he's the best player in the world. We won it last year. Yeah, yeah. The thing I keep going back to is the biggest reason why I hesitate on Scotty Shuffler this week is because he won it last year, which is like a silly reason to be like, well, can he really go back to back? And it's like that's just not a reason not to pick him. He's unbelievable. Right, he's playing unbelievable right now. There's nothing about his game that doesn't work for this course. We know this is a course where you need uh, past experience and success. He has it. We know this is a course where you want a guys with power. He has it. He doesn't have a weakness in his game. You know, yeah, he won last year, which is weirdly my only negative. And I guess you know, paying up that 1100 is a is a hefty price to pay. But as we know at, at this golf course, you're going to want the studs. This is Someone's not going to rise out of nowhere and win this tournament. 
So I'm paying up for one of the studs regardless. I'm going to go ahead and take Scotty. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue against Scotty Scheffler at this point. Before we get to Greg's pick, uh, William R. says Corey Connors is going to win. I wonder if that's going to be his his nomination when we get to see an audience. Um, maybe Sia in pink has reverse mojo. Everybody, Patrick Scott's in here. Zach, uh, Ed, I see in there. I think there's a lot of collusion going on. I think that's accurate, actually. So uh, here's the thing. Greg, it is your pick. The two top guys are off the board. I'm actually really curious where you go with your first overall pick and your very first draft cast at the Masters. Well, um, if you follow the uh, First Cut podcast, which Sia mentioned you should already, uh, there's definitely a contingency of a... I think there's. A, it's safe to say there's a favorite player. Uh, he's actually in the intro uh, to, to, that, to every episode of the First Cut podcast, and it's one Jordan Spieth. Um, this is a, you, you talk about the, you got to go with, uh, the, the big dogs here. Somebody's not going to come out of nowhere. Anytime we get to Augusta national, um, Jordan Spieth isn't coming out of nowhere. He, he is on the forefront of everybody's mind. And I just get the sense that he's really building towards something. Uh, it, his iron play has been great since really, you know, since the AT&T Pebble beach pro-am he's gained strokes in every single event there since uh, the putting seems to be getting a little bit better. He seems to be relaxing. And if you go on, uh, on, on Spencer's take on short game being really important, I mean, there's probably nobody more creative around the greens. There's probably no one more adept at handling, uh, those undulating greens, take a drink. If, uh, if I'm included in that game. Uh, so I, yeah, I love, I love Jordan this week. All right. It's Jordan Spieth. I don't have a problem with that at all. Spencer, before the audience goes in, it looks like both, Guys have already been nominated and ratified by the audience. But Spencer, I want to ask you about Jordan Spieth. Listen, a couple things here. Jordan Spieth is, is obviously a really good play. I wonder if his ownership numbers get you to get a little nervous about him or because he has so much win equity, you're not really worried about his particular ownership numbers. Like if we're talking specifically ownership here, which we have to talk about on this show, I see about 23% right now. Uh, that's a big number. I am a little bit worried based off of that answer here. Um, there are players around him in price where I feel like the win equity is very similar for, you know, maybe half the ownership, a little bit more than that. Um, it's hard to say anything wrong about speed at Augusta. We know he's magical. We know that the short game is spectacular and you have to be creative to play this tournament. And I don't know if there's anybody who's as creative as Jordan speed is with the way that he hits his shots and the way he thinks outside of the box for everything. So I think at the end of the day, it's one of those situations that anybody that you want to talk about from, let's just say $9,000 and up, like every single one of those golfers is inside the top 15 of my model. You just have to pick and choose which one is the one that you want to play or which couple are the ones that you're going to use. And uh, that's what makes a major championship so difficult is, yeah, pricing is soft, but you also have the cream of the crop coming all in one place and they're going to rise to the top at the end of the day. The one thing I'll say about Jordan Spieth, Spieth's ownership is that it looks like it's going down a little bit because it was at 23% last I checked, and it's it's now kind of normalizing to under 20%. Now, everybody's got sort of different numbers, and that's why Stephen Pilardi comes out with his article for WindDailySports.com tomorrow. It'll be tomorrow afternoon, and those will be the numbers that we're going to lean on. But you know, with pricing coming out so early, I think it actually helps the Jordan Spieth number because what people are going to see is those three guys at the top – 
are going to carry a ton of ownership. And then the next person they're going to see that carries a ton of ownership is Jordan Spieth. And what that's going to happen, what's going to happen is because there's a couple more days built in for people to pivot, they're going to be less inclined to pivot from, let's say, a Roy or a Scotty and a touch more inclined to pivot from a Jordan Spieth, which is why I think ultimately he's still going to be really high. I just wonder if he's going to go down a couple percentage points because people are going to want to pivot to some of those guys that we'll be drafting later, but that are really, really close to him. So um, I think that's a good point. Consider. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a good point, Sia. Something to consider there. Now, the audience is totally on it. And Ivan, I certainly appreciate you because he just confirmed what I had said earlier, which is John Rahm, Jason Day have been nominated, have been gotten their second vote and therefore ratified. And they are on the SIA audience team. Um, I, you know, I don't really have a particular problem with this. I wonder if I'm actually going to end up playing Jason Day and John Rahm, but I, I think they're both really good selections. Joel, I want to kick it to you. Both of these guys in your pool, I mean, listen, we can't play everybody, so you can say no. You're not going to offend anybody. These guys are going to make it? Both guys are in my pool. Um, I, I want to mention Day a little bit. I was going to take Day with my next pick if he got back to me here. Uh, I think Jason Day is just playing great golf right now. And I think he very easily could have been in that 9K range this week. I think you're getting a bit of a discount at 8,700. Um, he, you know, the one thing you do with him, if you look at his most recent course history, it's not great, but he hasn't been the golfer in the last couple of years that he is right now. And if you go back to when he was playing well, he's had some great results here. So I want to look at the history of when he was playing more like he's playing now, which he's done really well. And I think we're going to see that this week. All right, Greg, you got Jordan Spieth to kick things off. It's a great pick, but now you got another pick. So let's, let's see if you screw it up here. I, I don't think so. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Xander Shoffley, who oh, I, I, I really like Xander Shoffley. Um, again, another player who, to me, checks all those boxes. He hits it a long way. Like Rory McIlroy, he's one of the rare players near the top of the official world golf rankings who actually likes to hit a draw off the tee with a driver. Uh, and he hits a high draw. So he can play all those shots. His record here is very good, although he missed the cut last year. Um, he's got a number of top 10 finishes here, and he, he has a tendency of stepping up in major championships. So I'm, I'm uh, kind of all in on the Xander uh, model here, especially when I'm in this position where I can't go with the top guys. And once Rory and Scotty are off the board, I go down to Spieth, um, well, now Xander's really, really in play. Uh, and I, I'm really happy with this duo at the top for me. And this is the beauty of the draft cast, right? Because we're making lineups that we're kind of subject to other people drafting other players. But in real life, when you're drafting a DraftKings team, obviously you don't need to worry about whether like Scotty or Jason Day got drafted. But, but here's the thing. That's what keeps these lineups relatively unique. Of course, some of them are going to be chalky, but it's pretty cool. We're, we're kind of having to be locked into something that we wouldn't ordinarily be locked into. And therefore, we're creating lineups that most people wouldn't necessarily create. At least that's how it turns out for, I would say, 50 to, to 75% of these lineups. So uh, really cool tournament lineups to play most of the time. Joel, um, we're, we're on your pick. But before we get there, I want to ask Spencer, Xander, yes or no? Big thumbs up, two thumbs up to Xander. Wow, love it. Okay, that's all we need there. Joel, uh, it's your pick. You got Scotty Scheffler. You got the guy you brokered with Spencer for. <laughs> now, what's it going to be after Scotty? Well, I'm going to get the controversy started early tonight. I'm going live. I'm going va value. 
and I'm going Patrick Reed. Wow. Listen, what I the way I, I look at this is is I do think that these live guys were a bit underpriced for this tournament. They weren't playing. I think they kind of priced them down a little bit. If you're going to play someone like like I did with Scheffler with my first pick, you're going to need a couple value plays. So I'm going to need to find two or two or three guys under 7,500 that I can rely on to make my lineup work. So when I'm looking down there, there's not a ton that I love under 7,500. And I look at Reed. I mean, he's playing well on the lift door. He has good results. He's got a good course history here at this course. And, you know, a, a little bit wants to play the narrative of, you know, how much, you know, Patrick Reed likes being the villain, right? And how much he is the villain. If he has a good week here, I think the storyline being around him playing well as the live guy will almost motivate him to play better. Where other guys might crumble, I think it's going to actually help his game this week. I do agree with the chip on the shoulder thing for some of these guys. Uh, th- there's another guy that that really comes to mind. And again, that's a little strokes gain narrative but um, I do think it, it applies a little bit to some of these live guys. So um, Patrick Reed's interesting. I, I can tell you in that range, Patrick Reed's not going to be one of my guys. Greg, I'm really curious, before we get to Spencer's two picks, where you land on Patrick Reed. And I, I don't want to get into too much of the live guys because they might get drafted later, but um, do you have a, sort of a take on the live guys, like a general or maybe a global take on them? Well, I'm not sure that Patrick Reed is um, the first guy that I would choose, although I understand the pricing narrative for sure, um, the pricing concept here. And, but I, I think the live guys are going to be all right. I'm 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 very curious to see how they do perform with their limited starts. And um, it's not limited experience here, but they're, they have not been playing the same kind of schedule the guys on the PGA Tour have. And I'm very curious to see how that plays out. Now, that being said, there are players like Dustin Johnson, um, players like Cam Smith, players like Brooks Kepka who have the ability to go and, and compete with these guys. They have the ability to shoot the scores they need, and they're not that far removed. They, you know, they haven't been playing a, a very limited schedule on live golf for a very long period of time. Um, so, you know, if you consider one of them, maybe they, if this were a different world and one of them got injured and only played you know, a couple rounds leading into the masters um, and, and we knew they were healthy, which they all are, as far as I know, um, then, then I think you'd be very high on them. So I, I don't have a problem with it. The hard part for me is the data is very limited. Uh, so it's hard to get a real sense of how they're playing. The courses are different. There's a lot of, there's a lot of question marks, but um, I do think it's a pretty good way to differentiate your lineup. Yeah, and to Joel's point, last week at Live Orlando, Patrick Reed was a T3, which is obviously pretty good. I mean, re- regardless of the field, which obviously it's not a super quality field, but there were a lot of quality live players that were playing in that one. So that's something to be considered for sure. Spencer, you got your guy, Rory McIlroy. You got two picks to go. I'm assuming we didn't swipe many of your guys other than maybe your favorite player, Jason Day. Who you got? Let me ask you guys this question before we move on now that all these players are off the board, because... You know, we talk about Rory, Scotty, Rom. They're going to be three of, I mean, what, the five highest owned players. What are your guys' thoughts on stacking two of them together into a build? Because that's the route I was going to go to try to get unique here. Um, I would have probably preferred it in the order that it was taken. So like Rory and Scotty, and then if not that, Rory and Rom. But uh, do, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Just very quickly. 
Uh, I'll say this. I, I don't mind that. I mean, it's obviously going to leave you a little hamstrung in the 6K range, but considering how many players are in this field and the likelihood that there might be a couple extra guys that actually make the cut with top 50 in ties, I'm a big fan of just alternate construction. One thing I'm going to do, I'll probably do that, but I'll be more inclined to fade all three of them and just start right below them. Maybe it's Jordan Spieth. or probably won't be Jordan Spieth. I may as well fade him too while I'm at it. But it might start with some a couple guys in the 9K range and then settle in the 8K range the rest of the way. I'm not saying that's the, the play everybody else should make. But in terms of alternate constructions, I think that's one way to do it. And I think the other way is to fade all three. I, I actually thought about this a lot this week, so, so I'll chime in. I originally was trying to do that, and I came off of it. The reason being, you basically need the second one or the both of them to be one-two. Because if you get, like, one-four, right, two and three are guys you probably could have had and will beat you with a, maybe a more balanced lineup. So um, it's too reliant on a perfect result, where it's why I came off of it, and I, I like getting a little bit more balanced. And I would just also add the remaining four players with the pricing situation you're in at that point. I wonder if, um, you know, are there enough diamonds in the rough to go around? It's just simply the quantity. Uh, I love a stars and scrubs approach, but I think that just may be, you know, with a, a Scotty and Rory, I think that just may be a little too high end um, with what you're left with. So I'll just give, I guess, the counter argument here since I kind of am in on this idea. Um, we're talking about a, what, 87, 88-man field here. Top 50 and ties are going to make the weekend. Mm -hmm. It's much easier to get your players through the cut. And with the soft pricing that we have, like, I'm not saying you have to go, I mean, to me, like, 6,300 is probably the most realistic last person that you can get to. But once you do that, you start opening up salary again for yourself a little bit to be in that like mid $7,000 range. So it's just something out there to consider. I'm not saying it's the optimal way to make a lineup. Um, you know, I, if in the spot I was in right now, I was probably going to go Rory and Xander if I was in that spot. And now obviously that's off the table for what I can do, but um, I'll take us into the next two picks here. And I'm going to put myself right back down into the $6,000 section. So I ended up there one way or another at the end of the day, but with the first pick, I am going to take Tony Finau at 8,900 obviously this is an extremely chalky build to start with Rory and Tony Finau I just happen to think that Finau is a legitimate top five player in the world I know that we don't have that from an official world golf ranking standpoint and I don't know if this has been the world you know like groundbreaking year for him that I was anticipating I kind of thought he would be the number one player in the world before this was all said and done and win a major and kind of take that Scotty Scheffler trajectory that we saw last year and He's been good to start 2023, eight straight finishes inside the top 25, but we're missing the high-end results here. And I think once we start getting that again, Finau has a chance to really make a run here over the next couple months. So I love Augusta for him. I'm going to eat the ownership there. And then with my next pick, I guess I'm going to go, I'm a glutton for punishment with this guy. He has burned me at every major. I, I would guess it were to look back at, all four majors that we played last year. I probably took this guy each time and it has never worked well for me, but I'm going to take Patrick Cantlay at 9,500. And at some point Cantlay is going to break through in a massive way and win one of these events. The ball striking has been phenomenal here recently. The putter has kind of gone ice cold in some spots for him, but he is trending and all the statistics are percolating in a fashion to where 
if he were to win this event, I don't think you have to look any further than what his outright price is and where the outright number is moving at a lot of sharper books at this moment. Um, I have seen him very consistently at shops I respect as the fourth favorite in this tournament. So um, obviously he's the, what, sixth name on the board here? Or, yeah, sixth name on the board here. So, I mean, that's not really like a massive difference from what we're talking about. But every little bit does matter. And I think when I think about fast bent grass greens, I kind of always include Patrick Cantlay into that mindset with it. I love Patrick Cantlay. And I'm I'm not buying into the narrative that he just can't win the the Masters. And, and that his history here is, is, is bad enough where you just have to ignore him. And, and I think other people are kind of buying that into it, buying into that a little bit too, because we're seeing ownership just creep up a little bit on Patrick Cantley. But listen, a lot of the global stats that I like to lean on, and then of course I I dive a little deeper, but weighted T to green, weighted greens in regulation, last 24 rounds. I mean, we know globally, like we can go 100 rounds. It's still going to be great, obviously. But last 24, he's second and third in those departments. I think this is, I think this is one of the guys, and I think the odds board reflects it, um, that has like a legit shot. Like uh, of the maybe 10 people that have a legit shot uh, past the top three, Patrick Cantley is is pretty much on the top of that list. Um, Greg, before we get to Joel's pick, your, your thought, your thoughts on Patrick Cantley? Uh, they he he. Again, this is what happens in every major. And the reason Spencer would take him in every major last year is he looks really good. He's really well-rounded in every area of his game. It's it's um, wonderfully impressive. I, I feel like he's the kind of guy that almost every venue we go to, he fits, yeah. which is very rare. It's very unique. He's accurate. He can work the ball both ways. He's got a great short game. And there are a few players that can get as hot as he can on the greens um he has done well at augusta before he's contended on the the back nine on sunday once um not as consistently as i'd like so the only reason to say no is that narrative which you're not buying into sia yeah i mean we'll see i mean it, you know it, it'll be friday afternoon he'll be like struggling to to make the cut and 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 we'll be going we'll be hearkening back to this conversation but i do think it's funny like our, our chat is notoriously hilarious and, and zach jeffers um cantley is a shiny slot machine that coldly gladly takes your money and then of oh. course mark green pipes in with patrick can't lay um yeah i mean we'll see what happens with him he's a guy i'm definitely willing to take a stand on i really like that pick joel you've got scotty scheffler and then you went contrarian with patrick reed who is next yeah unfortunately you guys might not like this i'm sticking with live here and i'm going back to more value and I'm going with Brooks Kepka. You know, he came off, he's coming off a win. We know Brooks Kepka likes majors. And if you buy into it, like if you heard him speak at all this week, you know, Brooks is saying, I'm finally healthy. You know, I finally feel good. And, you know, if you want to buy into that and it's like, you know, listen, his woes all stem from an injury and he's healthy and he's back to playing like Brooks Kepka, then this is just a criminally underpricing and, and this is one of the best value plays you can find. Now, I do think that's maybe a little bit Brooks talking and getting his mental, you know, game back and trying to have some confidence. But at 7,600 with the upside, you know, you can get with a Brooks Kepka at a major. Um, for someone who took Scotty Scheffler first at 1,100, I love the value of him. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of value in that 7K range. Obviously, there's value everywhere, 8K down in particular, but – I don't mind the Brooks Kepka pick. Greg, let me throw this back at you before you make your pick. Is it is it a yes or no on Brooks? I'm probably going to end up being 
a no, even though I don't hate the pick at all. How about you? I, I don't hate the pick. Uh, now, again, like I said, with Patrick Reed, there are still some questions that are yet to be answered. So you're um, you're kind of you're arriving to the party early with the with the live players because we just don't have a lot of experience. We don't have a lot of knowledge, so it's hard to relate it to what we get on the PGA Tour. But it's not a bad thing to be early in a in a DFS lineup. It's not a bad thing at all. Um, it, here are the th- the positives for Brooks, in my opinion. One, um, no matter what golf course you're playing, when you go out there and shoot the scores that he shot last week, that gives you a lot of confidence. Um, and and to that point, this is a, a different guy that sounds very different from the guy that we saw in Full Swing in the Netflix documentary. So I, I, mean, I know that Brooks is feeling more confident about his game. Um, and quite frankly, that's the only one that really matters. So we'll see if it's... We'll see if it's for real. It's just yet to be seen yet. But um, but look, this is this is a risky game that we play, and you have to be willing to take risks. So I I, li- I like the pick. Very true on the risk part, especially when we're talking uh, tournaments. But Greg, speaking of picks, Jordan Spieth and Xander is a nice start. Where do you go next? Yeah, I'm gonna stick with this balanced approach here, uh, and I'm gonna go with Shane Lowry. Shane Lowry came and tied third here last year. Uh, I, and I, I really like what I'm seeing out of him. It, 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 the form right now is not what we saw last year out of Shane Lowry heading into the Masters. But um, he still has some things that really catch my attention. Um, you look at his approach play this year. He's 24th on the PGA Tour. And in, in two of his last four events, he's gained over five shots approaching the green. So I get the sense that there's, some, there's something kind of brewing there. Uh, the area of struggles for him have been short game and putting. Uh, but uh, I think that Shane Lowry is a wonderful short game player in general. And when he gets to a place like this, uh, where he has three straight top 25s, including that tied third last year, I, I think it's going to bring out the imagination that Shane Lowry has around the greens. And, and I think we'll see a resurgence from him. What I love about Shane Lowry the most, and he's a guy that I had circled, um, not necessarily for this show, but just for my DraftKings lineups, is everybody's kind of ignoring him. His ownership is really low. It's it's still sub 8%. That might creep up, creep up to 9 maybe even close to 10 but it's not going to get any higher than that because people just have seen the state of Shane Lowry, and, and they're not interested. And Greg, I agree. He could absolutely bounce back with a short game. And if you actually look at the ball striking over the last five tournaments, there's some duds in there. But there are some ball striking tournaments, three three of the last five, and I'm going off the top of my head. It's He gained over four. He gained, I think, around seven or, or six on another one and gained four in another one. I, I, I think he has the opportunity to really leverage your lineups from an ownership standpoint. Yeah, it I, was, I love that pick. It was um, just uh, approaching the approaching the green. Or if you want to go ball striking, it was eight at the, eight at the players, um, nearly nine at the Honda, and just under five at the Genesis. Um, so, you know, and the match play is kind of, you get some strange statistics there. So I I don't really look too deeply into that. So I I think you're right on the point there. See ya. All right. Speaking of on point, the audience has already, it looks like the audience has already nominated two guys. Uh, none of which uh, I would have taken the picks are Cam Young and Willett. I hope that's true, but I, those, that's what I would have gone with audience, but it, it sounded to me like Min Woo Lee got a lot of love which I don't hate and I don't love. And then somebody mentioned Mito. So can somebody work out, because I don't want a Mito gate or a Minwoo gate, uh, Cam Young gate. So somebody work out who we have, because fortunately, the more people we have in the chat, 
the more it lends itself to not being 100% sure who got drafted. So one of you in the chat, it looks like it's Mito. Oh, geez. Oh, man. Uh, audience, you've done it again. Uh, Mito <laughs> and Minwoo Lee are the picks. Um, all right. Yeah. I mean, I, listen, I, I actually like Mito. I, I think Mito is a really good long shot play. The problem is he's a debutante. That's okay. I'm, of all the debutants, I think he, from a price standpoint, from a value standpoint, I think I like Mito the best. Minwoo Lee, 14th last year, playing really good, playing really well. Um, I, yeah, I just, I think I would have gone a different direction, but I actually, I can't really argue with either of those two picks. Spencer, let me kick it to you. Mito Pereira, Minwoo Lee. Um, I know we're not going to have the data and I know you're a data guy. We're going to want to have the data from Liv, which we don't have from a metric standpoint, but do you have any stances on either of these two guys? I don't know. See, I, I'm generally out on both of them. I've seen a ton of intrigue yeah. around Minwoo Lee. Like that's the one golfer that everybody, and, and I wrote this up in one of my articles that I was out on him and he was a fade for me. And I think I had like, you know, like 10 people write me telling me, how could you do that? Minwoo Lee's going to win this golf tournament. And I'm just not there. Yeah, Greg, real quick. I, I, I want to I wanna lay it on real thick for the audience because we have this like little thing. How are you feeling about Minwoo and Mito this week? Um, the thing about Min Woo is I, I worry about his driver, uh, the, the accuracy off the tee uh, with the driver. He's great when he can hit you know less than driver, when he can hit three woods and three irons, and, and he has plenty of club head speed. A very charismatic player, and you know he made the cut here last year. So it, I, I wouldn't say that it's terrible, but I don't think the uh, hype is – I think he's overhyped. Um, and then on Mito, I've just heard some rumors that he's injured, uh, just mm -hmm. on Twitter, not any necessarily official sources, but considering all that I've, I've said about, uh, Joel's picks with the, with the live players, that is another layer of worry, another layer of unknown for me with Mito. So uh, I'm definitely out on Mito. All right. Well, it looked like there was some discussion that Cam Young may have gotten drafted, but I, I think that was put to bed by David. I, I agree with David. I think it looked to me from my glance that it was Mito and Min Woo that came in first. Um, all right. Well, listen, audience, it, you're nominating really fast. I can't really argue with that. So I'm not going to I'm not going to give you anything uh, for picks that I don't necessarily love. But I got to be honest, those are two pretty good picks. Greg, speaking of good picks, I love the Shane Lowry pick. But what's next? Uh, coming up next. I, I think you're going to like this one too. I hope so. It is another guy with woo in his name, but it's not Min Woo. It's Siwoo Kim. Uh, and I really like Siwoo Kim. He has been so much more consistent tee to green this year, which is really exciting for me. Uh, and, and I like what he's done with the putter too. You're not seeing nearly as much volatility with Siwoo Kim so far this year, even in the events where he's lost some strokes uh, on the greens putting, you're not seeing the sevens, the the losing five strokes putting, losing a stroke around putting. You're seeing losing, you know, one stroke for the event, two strokes for the event, which is much more reasonable. And then he's also shown the upside of gaining five strokes putting, which I think is great. Um, his play, he's made four cuts in a row. Uh, they've been, you know, he has a, a he came in seventeenth at the match play, very nearly got out of his group. He won earlier this year, which is great. Um, and, and I'm really impressed with his, with his ball striking this year. Interesting play. Yeah. I, I like Siwoo. I mean, I think a lot of people liked him last, last week and, and they let him down a little bit. Okay. Good news for team audience. Um, 
clearly Cameron Young was one of the two picks. So we can go back, whoever's um, doing that for us, we can go back and take out Mito Pereira, excuse me, and put in Cameron Young. I, I like the looks of that way, way better. By the way, just to speak to the Mito stuff, um, the one thing I can say about him that, that I think looks really good is over his last four live tournaments, which by the way, have all taken place since February 12th. So we're talking in the last basically 45 days, He's looking at an 11th place, a T15, a 6th, and a T5. That T5 was last week at Live Orlando. So clearly in pretty good form. Um, so it's something that, again, I didn't hate the Mito pick. Just I wanted to pick other guys. So I, I think he's an interesting – he's one of four guys on Live that, that I'm actually genuinely interested in in terms of having a flyer in that 7,200 range. Um, Joel, Siwoo Kim, in or out? In. Spencer? Very in on Siwoo also. Wow. Okay. That's overwhelming. Right. I hadn't really given him much of a look, to be honest with you. And my pool usually stays pretty tight, so I probably won't let him in. But that's convincing. I'm going to have to go back and, and, and really dig uh, deep on Siwoo Kim. Joel, you've got Scotty Scheffler, Patrick Reed, Brooks Kepka. Are we going live again? Listen, I don't think this lineup is done with live. <laughs> not on this pick. Not on this pick. However... What I am doing, to, I'm embracing the risk, right? And it wouldn't be fitting if I didn't take the guy I'm most likely to withdraw from the tournament. So without further ado, <laughs> I take Will Delacourse. Oh, nice. I <laughs> now, thought you were going to say Brian Harmon. I'm like, okay, that's a bad pick. In all um, seriousness, 8,200 for the upside that you can get with Will yeah. Delacourse. I mean, listen, I understand the risk that comes with it. He was sick. Um, he lost weight. He said he feels good. He's, he's, he's coming into this new shape, and who knows what is going on with his back, if that's fully healthy or not. But for a guy that clearly has top five upside here to get at 8,200, um, you know, if he's feeling good and go out there and, you know, <laughs> not get the yips on the putting green, you know, there's just so much upside here. And that's what we're playing for, right? If we're going after these GPPs, if we're going after these million makers, it's about embracing the upside, and that's what you're going to do here with this Dallas Tourist Break. Yeah, I mean, certainly the argument against Zalatoris is the recent form really hasn't been there. But then you look, and, and listen, I, I love recent form, but it's not everything. And, and we look at a sixth place and a second place at the Masters, which is really incredible. And honestly, the back didn't seem to be a big issue for him in his stumbles over the last few tournaments. It just, it just seemed like he was kind of playing poorly and he got very frustrated. And, you know, that's that's where he was. But at 8,200, I totally agree about the upside. Greg, real quick on Will Zalatoris. I mean, are you concerned about the state of his game enough so that he would not be in your player pool? Uh, concerned about health. Yeah. The state of his game, you know, he, he's shown an ability over his career to step up in major championships. Um, this is a golf course where I, I think, you know, and Spencer outlined this early, experience matters. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean number of reps. Right. Golf course knowledge can can oftentimes replace um, those number of reps if it's the right knowledge. And I, and I do believe that Will Zalatoris will come in here with an excellent strategy. Uh, he'll know where to hit the ball. He'll know how to handle the golf course. He'll know how to navigate his way around. And this is why you know, if you think about what uh, what John Rahm said in his press conference today, some guys have a tendency of just when they come back here, uh, they play well. And this, I, I really do believe, could be one of those golf courses for Will Zalatoris. Um, it, now, the health is a concern, right? He, if Will Zalatoris is losing weight, uh, I don't know what's left of him. You know, and that so that's the that's a, 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 the only concern for me. But I'm I'm sure he'll figure out how to get healthy 
and uh and and if he is he'll be a part of the story absolutely love it spencer you got back-to-back picks now you started with roy tony finau and patrick cantley that looks to me like a ridiculously good start uh the problem is you only have so much money left but maybe it's not a problem at all who you got next so i have a golfer in the six thousand dollar range that i think is going to come top 10 in this tournament he was the closest thing. So I always back test my numbers and I run it to other golf tournaments that we've seen historically that have been played at Augusta. And I try to figure out the general skill set that each one of those players had and what players in this field would most resemble that. So when I look at the 2016 Masters when Danny Willett won, there is a golfer at 6,800 here who has pretty much the same exact profile that I'm trying to find. Now it's going to be a very boomer bust play. He has not been great up until last week where I thought he finally got himself back on track here, but I'm going to take Alex Norin at 6,800. I love the short game that he brings for this tournament. I think he is a legitimate top 25 player in this, in the world. You're not necessarily getting that with ownership. I see two and a half percent right now. You're definitely not getting that with the price tag at 6,800. So obviously I'm in a spot where I have to pick and choose my spots of where I want to try to get aggressive. And I think Joel said it best. I'm playing this to try to win if I'm putting together a lineup and I'm going to be willing to take that boomer bust nature with Alex Noren. And I know the course history has been abysmal, but I think from a skill set standpoint, he actually has the prerequisites that you would hope to see. He just hasn't put them together yet. And hopefully this is the time he does. Cause I think once he does give you a quality finish here, it kind of could be off to the races the next couple years. Yeah, I like the play. And for the record, the audience likes the play quite a bit as well. Uh, who do you got after Alex Norn? I guess I've gotten this live fever from Joel here where I'm going to throw a live golfer into my lineup. And I'm going to take Harold Varner at 6,500. Um, when I look at this from an ownership standpoint, he's one of the best leverage plays I have on the board. And I think, for me to answer the live question that you asked Greg earlier, you're going to have these interesting spots. So you're obviously going to get a heightened increase of ownership, probably in guys like Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Patrick Reed, the names that people are accustomed to that have found success in the past. I think you're going to get a reduction in ownership in some of these lower mid $6,000 golfers where everybody's going to look the other way. And I mean, I'll leave it nameless right now of players in that range, but they would rather go to somebody that they've seen on the PGA tour recently that is putting together results. And I worry about the limited data that I have on these golfers, but like if I'm just running Harold Varner's profile in the way that the numbers that I have on him, he's a top 35 golfer in this field. Do I promise that's where he is right now with his game? No, but I'm willing to take that shot on a golfer that's 2% owned. Yeah. It's, this is so interesting because I agree. Like, you know, you're, you're going boom bust and that's what you should do. Alex Norn with Harold Varner. That's just going to be really, really interesting. So <laughs> I'm really curious to see how that plays out. Um, Joel, let me ask you before we get to your pick, um, either Norn or Varner, do they end up making your player pool? Probably not. I, I, I reserve all my um, value plays to live only, but um, Varner is live. So I guess that counts. I actually am intrigued by Norin. Um yeah, I, I do. Norin wasn't on my in my on my radar before, but he's someone I am gonna I am gonna look into. 
Greg, uh, yes or no on those two guys, Norn and Harold Varner? Uh, I'm probably the part of the reason why Spencer likes him because I'm probably turning, you know, turning looking the other way on both of these guys. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just they they didn't really strike my interest, so I'm probably a no. All right, um, I'm I'm a maybe on Norn. I'm a no on HV three. Joel, it's your pick after Will Zalatoris. Who you got? All right. So again, you know, I'm just embracing risk in this tournament. You know, this one not quite as risky, but I'm going to go ahead and go with Max Homa. I just think Max Homa, you know, while he hasn't had the past success here, right? And I know that's something that everyone looks at and it's like, hey, he hasn't really had any success at this course. And that's something you really want to look at. My kind of argument to that is he's a much, much better player today than he's been in the past. And it, you know, I had to take that as he's a different golfer and we're getting what is right now a top five golfer in the world, which he has never been before coming into this course. And so to me, if I'm getting in, in my book, a top five, maybe even better golfer in the world at 9,200, that's a value discount. I do think he can compete this week. I think he's going to have a really good showing. So I'm going to go ahead and fit and, uh, and take home here. Yeah. Like the value on Max Homa. All right, Greg. Let's get to you. You got two really interesting picks that, that I think are really wise from a tournament standpoint. Shane Lowry and Siwoo Kim. Who do you got next? All right. Um, uh, my, I, I don't feel like I have as much risk as, uh, as some of you, but I'm going to stick with the trend of, of safe, known commodities. Uh, so I'm going to go with Sung J.M., um, which I am a big fan of. This is his fourth trip here. He has a tied second and an eighth last year. So he's played really well on this golf course. Uh, he's a great driver of the golf ball, as we all know. Um, his, his ball striking is phenomenal. But I think his short game is really underrated. He's 30th on the PGA Tour in, in strokes gain around the green. Uh, he, he putts well, too. He's, he's 60th in putting. I mean, he some of the numbers that he has when it comes to things like sand save percentage, he's second on tour in, in sand save percentage which is phenomenal. And then another thing that really, we really haven't mentioned all that much is par five scoring. He's third on the PGA tour and par five scoring. And, and now you don't think of Sung Jay as a, somebody who's really long, but he's a really good wedge player. And if you listen to all the talk of the players so far this week, there's going to be a lot more laying up on these par fives, um, especially with the weather that we have coming in. So I, I think Sungjae's advantage on the par fives may even uh, increase more than normal. So I, I love Sungjae M here. All right. Yeah, I think Sungjae's a really smart play. Definitely like a feels like a safer play. Yeah. Um, I haven't. The lineups I've made, he hasn't made it in them yet. But uh, Spencer, I want to ask you, is, is it a yes or no on Sungjae? I mean, the only problem I have with Sungjae would come down to the ownership. Um I think there's obviously ways to get around it, but if you're looking at the $8,000 and dollar golfers and up, I could make a very strong argument that Sungjae is the most underpriced of any player that we're talking about. And I think that's probably the argument that I make every week about him. He never gets his just due for how good of a golfer he actually is inside of the DFS realm of this. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, yeah, he does He does seem underpriced. There's no question about that. All right, it looks like the audience has made, the SIA audience has made their pick. I'm in on kind of both of these guys. I'm definitely in on Danny Willett, who appears to have been nominated. It looks like our last guy is Kurt Kitayama. If I could get some sort of ratification here, I'm seeing a lot of Willett and Kitayama. 
Yeah, let's let's do that. I think that's what it's going to be. That leaves us with how much left? I'm just curious, like 600 or so. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, certainly makes our lineup different. That's for that's for sure. Um, I, I like this lineup. Uh, Danny Willett. Listen, I, I'll speak to Danny Willett and then I'll kick it to one of you guys for Kurt Kitayama. But we know he's a previous winner here. But I just like how the metrics are trending. We know he has the short game. It's the ball striking that's really come around over the last handful of tournaments. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of Danny Willett this week. It might burn me. He's still in the 6K range, so it's not like he's a god. But I, I really think he's a guy that, that has a good shot of like really clearing the cut and especially in tough conditions, just navigating super, super well. Uh, Greg, your thoughts on Willett or Kurt Kitayama? I think Willett's been playing better. Um, so I, I'm – you know, ne- never too high on him, but I certainly understand the the price scenario that we're in here. Um, so it makes sense. But Kitayama to me, you know, when you scan through this board and you start getting below the big name guys that you're really familiar with, uh, in an event like this, I I ask this question: Can can this guy really contend in a Masters? Can he really? Can it, does he really have what it takes? Aside from the statistics, we know this is a different kind of golf course can you do you have the game to compete in in a masters and kirk kitayama is a rare yes down in this range um with, without looking at any numbers i i think he's an absolute yes a lot of that has to do with his distance so yeah i, I like i like the kitayama play he's definitely in, in my player pool considering the price too yeah, Kitayama is definitely one of those guys I, I kind of have to take a hard look at because he hasn't played at Augusta before, but I, I definitely like the game. I think there's a lot of guys in that general area we could have gone with, but I don't mind Kitayama. It's just, again, the debutante thing does instill a little bit of fear in me. But again, I, I like this team that we drafted, everybody. So, uh, Greg, you've got one more pick after Sungjae. Who's it going to be? Okay, um, you want to talk about going safe. I'm going to stick with the trend here, and I'm going to go with uh, with Corey Connors. Uh, so Corey mm-hmm. Connors, three straight top tens here. Uh, they have all gotten gradually better and better and better. Um, in It was tied 10th, tied 8th, tied 6th last year. Uh, so things have gone in the right direction for him. And you look at the ball flight that he plays, and he, play, he plays a draw. He's an incredibly accurate driver of the golf ball with who still has enough distance. Uh, he doesn't quite check the box of these other guys who I think, I think everybody else in my lineup has a really high quality short game. I, I don't know if Corey Connors fits that mold, but he does excel in other areas like iron play. It's a ton of greens of regulation. He's a, a very defensive putter. He doesn't really three putt all that much. So I, I think Corey Connors is a, uh, a, a proven commodity here. Yeah, I like that. It definitely seems like a nice, safe play, safe lineup. But, I mean, there's upside there. We've seen Corey Connors do it. Uh, we've seen a lot of the guys in your lineup do it. So I, I like that pick. He's definitely going to be popular. I, I could see this lineup being uh, a, a all in the top 20 and none in the top five. Right? I mean, I could mm-hmm. I could see that playing out. It's just it, – it's very safe. I could also see this being one through six on the leaderboard on Sunday. <laughs> I mean, listen, Jordan Spieth, Zane Shoffley, and Sung J.M. have, have – Plenty of upside. I, I, I totally get it. Um, Joel, real quick before your pick, Corey Connors, does the ownership, is the ownership going to be a little bit too much for you? I think so. There's a couple other guys in that range I like to, and that's really the only reason. I think, that, you know, I like him this week, and, and if it wasn't for the ownership, I would definitely be playing him. But if you're going after these big tournaments with, you know, 
thousands upon thousands of entries, you know, I think it's, I think there is leverage to get away from that near 30% ownership. Yeah. Which is why Corey Connors is, if you're playing cash games, it, it like makes a ton of sense in your cash lineups. Um, Joel, who's your last pick? By the way, we have so many people watching and I think they're watching because of Greg. I, I genuinely do. So if you really want to make Greg happy, allow me to report to him after the show how many likes we got on this show. So go. we actually have a lot of people that hit the like button. So I'll obnoxiously request one more time, hit that like button. Check us out in the Discord tomorrow because we're going to have a lot more information. And we put our picks in there, as everybody knows, who's a member of Wind Daily Sports. And of course, the ownership article, among other things, comes out tomorrow. So that's that's only at Wind Daily. But Joel, you got one more pick. I love this team. I'm not so sure about Patrick Reed, but I love this team. Who are you closing out with? Well, I will say, you know, audience, you guys are the real MVP. We appreciate you guys every week. Uh, and I'm, I, you know, you stole my pick. I'm going to take Danny Willett here as my last pick to make this roster work. I can't do that. So now I'm pivoting, and I'm going to go back to live as I promised I would with Kevin Na. You know, Kevin Na is a guy who's got really good Masters history. He likes this course. He's got three top 15s in his last three tries here at 6,500. Um, I think he's someone that can show up. Again, I don't need him to win the tournament. If he gets me another top 15, I'd be smitten with that. Kevin, nah, really interesting. The problem there, of course, is if, you, if you're looking for length, uh, in, especially on a wet course, like it's not, he, he's probably not going to get you there. Uh, real quick, yes or no on Kevin, nah. Spencer, I'll start with you. Um, I mean, I considered him. So my choice that when I took Varner came down to either Varner Kevin Na or Mackenzie Hughes. Uh, that was a $6,300 golfer that I thought had some intrigue. I think in ultimately at the end of the day, I took Varner because of the length that he had over those two names, but you can't deny the course history that Kevin Na has put together out here. So I'm generally okay with the pick. Greg. I, I agree with Spencer. And right. because of court because of course history i i think it's uh and and look he's had a wonderful short game throughout his career so uh, yeah i'm all right with it and real quick we're going to do two more things before this show ends we're going to have spencer make his last pick of course then we're going to give out some first round leaders but before we do that because we still have so many people watching greg we know we can find you on the first cut like pretty much every day and and I really hope you come back onto the DFS show because we really miss you. But I know you're doing all of the other shows, the recap shows for the first cup, but we can also find you daily on SiriusXM PGA Tour Radio, correct? Yes, uh, I'm on in New Breed of Golf in the morning from 8 to 10 on SiriusXM. Uh, and I occasionally do, not every week, but on Thursday and Friday nights, I'll host, um, I'll host a show called The Wrap, which is the uh, PGA Tour post-game show. Um, and so those are... Generally, I'm on uh, CBS Sports HQ from time to time as well. Um, so you can find me in, in all those areas. And on Twitter, everybody, if you are if you haven't already started to follow Greg, I honestly think he's one of like the best people in this industry. And I'm, I'm not just talking from an informational standpoint. You can listen to him and realize that. But I actually think he's one of like the best people in the industry. So the least you could do, uh, Sean, at least on our behalf you. at Win Daily, is to follow Greg Ducharme at the Real GFD. Please give him a follow. He's a wealth of information, but also just a really good guy. Speaking of good guys, Spencer, are you going to pick a good one with your sixth pick? I'm going to go very gross with this. I I'm going to take a golfer that I, I think if you would have looked at this, and I know this isn't necessarily the course that you would want to take him at. He's going to be a first timer here. He doesn't have the distance that you're looking for. Um, this is gross. Ran this 
it's not you gross. Ran, I get it. I know what you're doing. I, I know uh, who if, you're picking. If you ran this three months ago, I'd like to think that this price would have been much higher. I'm betting on his skill set. I am betting on the youth that I think he's actually a really good golfer that is being forgotten about in this space. I don't know what I'm exactly expecting from him when it comes to his equity to win this tournament. I don't think he's going to win. I don't think he can win. But if he can come top 20 at sub 5% ownership with none of that length that I want, I think Tom Kim at 7,700 is very intriguing. And it comes back to what Joel says almost every single week about him. We still don't know exactly what he is. We've talked about this, Joel. Like we were getting results from him from a statistical standpoint, we knew he was going to regress. He has regressed hardcore over the past couple months with it, but he's still fine. He's a top 20 player for me. Like, I don't think that this is as bad as everybody believes it to be out there. Um, he's making cuts. He may not be making them in the fashion that we want, but it's not like he's going out playing these tournaments and we're looking at last pace finishes where he's missing all the weekends here. The results are still okay. So I think from a leverage standpoint, specifically with the way I have this build, like this, this in the last couple of picks that I've made, like going Rory, Tony and Cantlay, if I can get these bottom three, correct, this has a lineup that has real potential to make a run in like a Jeep, a massive GPP. Yeah. I mean, at five or 6%, I mean, he just makes so much sense. And by the way, and I found this out from Steve Scott, who I did a show with uh, earlier today, Steve Scott famously played uh, against Tiger Woods in the amateur, like, I don't know, at Augusta, what, 26, 27 years ago. But uh, he mentioned that Ricky Fowler's old caddy is on Tom Kim's bag. And maybe Greg, you can verify that for us or not, but I think that's kind of a big deal to have a veteran like that on a debutante's bag. So, I mean, I think there's a lot going for Tom Kim, especially if his ownership is going to be five, 6%. Greg, your comments on Tom Kim. Uh, Joe Scovern, I believe is uh, is his caddy. Um, So Tom Kim, to me, I, I completely understand where you're coming from with this Spencer. I, I, I think there are, years where you have debutants come out and contend and you think about who they've been jordan spieth um came in second in his first uh, appearance here in 2014 i believe that was that his first that was his first appearance right uh I he, so. he started with the second wills alatoris started with the second place finish here as well i think tom kim kind of fits that mold i i think he could become a uh a, a, a darling if you will and, and because they like him so much on the PGA Tour, he gets to play practice rounds with, you know, Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods. Um, and, and that kind of information is mm. extremely valuable. And it helps overcome that, uh, that first-time Masters appearance. And, and I agree with you, Spencer. His form is it's, – it's just okay right now, but it's not alarming. I mean, I would consider this – see, you'll remember this. This is like a – he could almost be a pale play of the week. It, it, there's yes. nothing that's jumping out as being great right now. Nothing that's jumping out as being poor. Uh, it's just kind of very middling. Uh, and that could be ripe for a, you know, a, a spike week. You heard it here first. Greg's pale player of the week. <laughs> Sounds to me like it's Tom Kim. And by the way, I don't know if you noticed the chat on the way into this show, Greg, but somebody actually pointed out, hey, Greg, I'm really curious who your pale player of the week is. And it sounds like we have <laughs> we finally go. met that moment. It is none other than Tom Kim. Um, all right. So, let, Joel, let's get over to the first round leaders and get out of here. How about that? That is it. While we're heading over, don't forget, uh, as I take down the draft board, hit the like button. 
Give us a follow. It goes a long way. Follow Greg, too. Greg will be back drafted with us hopefully one day in the future because he's going to have to avenge the loss he's going to take to me in my spectacular <laughs> draft that I just had. We shall see. <laughs> but we do still have our first round leaders as we do each week. And for tonight, let's start with Spencer. Spencer, who are you looking at in the first round leader market? So I have a two-man card here. I'm going to go with a historically slow starter in all these majors. And I'm saying that this is not the time he's going to start slow. And this is why he's going to win. Rory McIlroy, 16 to 1. I also took Patrick Cantley at 28 to 1. I like it. I like it. How about you, Greg? Who are you looking at for first round leaders? First round leaders. I think this is a one thing that I was hoping to learn a little bit from you guys and how you decide this. Because this is one of those areas that i know is really popular uh but i feel like it's just so much more of a dart throw we're talking about uh you know a mo- picking monday qualifiers here so i'm gonna go with uh i'm gonna go with jordan spieth as one i i think jordan spieth loves getting off to a g- great start at augusta national and i think it would make for an absolutely great story and i think there's a real possibility of it uh and then the next one that i will go to will be um you know i Ah, it, I, I wonder if it's a live player or not. So, you know what? I'm going to go with a one-man card. I'm going to stick with Jordan Spieth. And wow. That's it. Yep, you know what that means, leader. everybody? That means Jordan Spieth is going to be your first-round leader. Like yeah, when somebody has card. that type – Patrick McDonald did that, uh, Greg, who, of course, is another first-cut guy. He did that with Max Homa when he won like five or six tournaments ago. I actually had Max Homa too, but normally on that show with the early wedge, we'll have like four or five outrights. And Patrick McDonald was like, nope, Max Homa is winning it. I've got one guy. <laughs> and Max Homa won it. So uh, this, is, this gives me all the feels because you guys are about to hear my first-round leaders. And we may have some similarities to some that you've already heard. I love it. Well, I, I got three for us this week. Uh, one of them is one of my only picks. I really like Patrick Reed this week. I think Reed's going to show up and have a showing. I think he's going to have a good round one at 55 to one. That's my long shot for the first round leader. I also like someone who wasn't mentioned on the show, but probably should have been Hideki Matsuyama at 40 to one. Uh, and my last play for first round leader is going to be Victor Hovland at 35 to one. All right, see ya. Thursday, by let's say 8 o'clock at night, who are we cashing our big tickets on? Well, your first round leader at the Masters. It's going to be one of these. Well, I've got four guys, but I'm going to include a long shot in there that's been mentioned on the show. So it's really five. And then I'll give you the easy button, definite first place, first round leader at Augusta on Thursday in 2023. Let's start with Patrick Cantley at plus 2,500. We're going to go to Cameron Young at plus 3,500. Sam Burns at plus 4,000. Love the spike potential from him and, and, and how his game has emerged. The long shot play is Danny Willett at 75 to 1. Listen, I, you know, it's a long shot for a reason, but I think Danny Willett is not going to be intimidated by this field because he's won here before. And I just love how the game is rounding into form. But that's really more of a sprinkle. Like 75 to 1 is, is, is a long shot for a reason in a talented field. Now, your easy button play of the day. For Thursday, we are 48 hours ahead of time. And I'm telling you, everybody, who your first round leader is going to be at 25 to 1. I got to say, his name's already been spoken by our guest, Greg Ducharme. Jordan Spieth will be leading the first round at Augusta. The 2023 button. Masters. It's Jordan Spieth, your first round leader. There you have it. It's that easy. My suggestion, 
is to get as much money as you can, like take out a loan, uh, <laughs> mortgage your grandparents' home, put it all on Jordan Speed first earlier because it's a lot. That's, there's no doubt that's going to win. And then you know what happens? And Friday morning, you can thank us for the riches that you will have and your vacation home that you'll be able to buy after Jordan Speed wins the first round. Greg, you have some imagery behind you and what appears to be some golf clubs and maybe some value valuable items on that bookshelf. You can actually use those as collateral for that loan or at least oh, you know, for a loan yeah. from a friend if you don't have the time to go to a bank. And you can take all that money, put it on Jordan Speed first round leader, and then just buy all that stuff back. It's just it's just simple it's investment. It's not a bad strategy. idea. I was thinking my grandmother's 95. I was thinking I could, you know, get I've always wanted to buy her a mansion too. So maybe I could you know, get her 25x on her uh, on the value of her home. <laughs> and now Thank you'll you. have that chance. I'm I'm smart. Very smart. Very smart. It's gonna happen. Strategy. Look, the the less you put in, the less uh, the less you're gonna make because this is a lock. Math. That's Brought it. to you by math. That's it. It's a simple math. It's really that easy. Uh, it was a blast having you draft with us tonight, Greg. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, you really were great at drafting. Your insights were super helpful. Uh, do you have any last words for us for, for this evening? Well, I appreciate being here. This was a blast. Um, and I, I've seen all the, uh, all the fun that you guys have been having on this show and I love the concept of it. So I was really happy to be a part of it. I learned a lot listening to you guys, man, way more aggressive than I usually play. And although I'm going to win this week, I think in the coming weeks, I'm going to adopt your style a little bit, get a little bit more uh, uncomfortable. But I, I know that my lineup's going to work this week and uh, I'll be sitting on top. I love it. I love it. That is a wrap for tonight. Uh, again, we are going to post these lineups on Twitter. Let us know who you like, who you think is going to win. We'll be tracking it. We're coming back next week. To crown the winner, it is Masters Week. It's the most fun week in golf. Enjoy it. Get your bets in. Have fun. Bet responsibly. Obviously, we're having fun. Do not bet your house on anything. Uh, but but definitely bet and your have car, fun. <laughs> but your, yeah, maybe your car. Your car's probably fine. Uh, and your grandma's house. That's fine, too. It's not your own. <laughs> See ya. Anything else for tonight? Well, we'll see you, uh, some of you in the Wind Daily Discord tonight. I know David's going to be like, uh, you know, a lot of us are always kind of navigating those waters, but especially tomorrow, a lot of content coming out with ownership. So definitely get in there, stay in there. That's going to be really good content to construct your lineups. But more importantly, thanks for watching the show. Uh, Greg, everybody give The Real GFD a follow. Check him out on SiriusXM uh, PGA Tour Radio. And of course, on the first cut where you can find him and you can find me. And of course, don't forget, this is the thing that you should never ever, ever, ever forget sports.